When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. Like he sort of feels me out, I feel him out, and uh, we go for it. Hello, and welcome along to episode 21 of The Worst Idea of All Time, season four. Uh, it's Guy Montgomery here. I'm with Tim Bat. Uh, thanks to the power of the internet, we are not physically together, something that I am lamenting as of this afternoon. Uh, how are you, Tim? Sex and the City, we watched it, we saw the movie, we did it for 21 times, and now I'm going to blow my brains out. It was bad, and then bad some more. I watched it in a car driving home from Gizzy. Ah, so uh, this is this your first in-motion screening this season? Uh, yes, I believe it is. Does that, it was my first plane, train, or automobile for this that, season. Uh, increase or decrease focus in terms of following the you know very carefully mapped out plot points and story twists? Believe it or not, it decreases focus. I took a lot of breaks watching it because it was just impossible to absorb on this particular watch. I had to give myself little 20-minute breaks. Just oh, my so I'd God. Stay to, or sorry, like watch it in 20-minute um, little bricks and then tune out for three minutes and go on my phone and then dive back in. I think we're going to have to... I've done a I've done a consecutive screen I've done a you know a one sitting screening here. I usually try to do them in one hit. I think you know the timing for us is different, so it's hard for us to yeah, to look regulate at, look at old Monty. Our watches, Cracking but I do I do feel uh, you know you you might be due uh, a one hit at him just to to really hammer home uh, the length and breadth of this film. Are you not proud of me? It's not that I'm not proud of you. It's that I know. I I know a Tim Bat that a lot of people you know know parts of due to the extended recordings and ramblings of us in conversation in this exact scenario, but uh, I know a prideful and headstrong young man who insists upon you know dignity and uh, the virtues of hard work. Do you feel like I'm I'm getting defeated by this season because you see they're not too dissimilar thing. 
when I mentioned that my shining light when we were talking to Io was um, the end credits rolling up, and you said this is not the Tim. You, uh, or would I you do, say you I, said in a in a previous world, you know, I do. You I, wouldn't have let me get away with that's that. That's right. So this is. I do. I, I feel like uh, our roles have almost shifted. I feel like you're pushing boundaries in terms of uh, decency and respect being extended to the film. You don't have to enjoy the film, but you do have to meet it on its terms. Twenty mm. minutes increments with three minute phone breaks mm. i don't even know who i'm talking to sometimes it feels like uh, i don't i can i legitimately cannot handle you being disappointed in me this morning i am too tired oh i'm sorry to I hear that too vulnerable well tim i've got a, a great word here that i think i would like to introduce you to tell me if you've heard it mm. before it's a russian word yeah and the word is tosca T-O-S-K-A. No, I don't know that word. Well, uh, Tosca is a word. It's one of those words that uh, doesn't quite, it doesn't have an equivalent in English, but it does a great job of capturing a feeling. And I uh-huh. think the feeling that Tosca captures is presumably what you're going through, certainly what I'm going through. It's a refined, elevated, and appalling kind of boredom. One is bored not by a lack of appealing stimulants, but by the very things that are supposed to be interesting. Creativity, wit, intelligence, history, the universe. In its religious sense, one is bored by God. It sounds like depression. It sounds like clinical depression. Yeah, well, yeah. then does go on to say, nowadays we might say with far less dignity and resonance that we are depressed. Wow. I mean, it's not an inaccurate assessment of the feeling towards the film. You've just you're you're fresh off a watch. How do you feel? Uh look, not great, Tim. You know, in in summation, I guess I sort of I feel like I'm tired of being uh, what you want me to be, feeling so faithless, lost under the surface. Um, I don't know what you're expecting of me put under the pressure of walking in your shoes i'm caught in the undertow just caught in the undertow every step that i take is another mistake to you i'm caught in the undertow just caught in the undertow i've become so numb i can't feel you there become so tired so much more aware by becoming this, all I want to do is be more like me and be less like you. That cut to the core of me, Montgomery. What song is that? <laughs> I'm going to assume it's called Undertow. <laughs> so you'd think because of its repetition. Uh, it's actually lifted from uh, the 2003 album Meteora by Linkin Park. That is numb. Oh, True. True, and uh, look, that is that is how I feel. Uh, I did my best to enjoy the movie this week. You know, there were there were things uh, and moments that were of interest, curiosities. Um, I actually had a very early shining light, which you know I, I was really looking out for anything to outdo this, but uh, I saw it early. I wrote it down. Uh, and I want to share it with you right now just to sort of kick things off on a positive note. Hit it up, big boy. Uh, it's at the auction. 
incredible color scheme. I mean, I've, I think I've spoken not at length, but in passing about, I think just the, the auction, I think is a, is a great feat of filmmaking. You know, they've got a lot of, uh, well healed, well turned out people, a lot of different colors. Uh, it's quite an exciting, visually stimulating piece of cinema. And as Kim Cattrall is, you know, frantically bidding against this anonymous, uh, absent bidder who's communicating through a phone call uh behind kim cattrall there is a, a woman who's browsing the auction catalog and you know quite loud glasses this sort of turquoise um slightly triangular framed almost of the fashion now uh and she gives samantha the two looks you know she's she's not engaged she doesn't want the diamond ring at all that samantha's bidding on but uh, she's aware that she's in proximity of someone who does want it quite badly. So two looks. One, when she makes a regular bid at like $30,000, she looks up as though to say, oh, okay. And then mm. uh, the second look is after Samantha says 50 fucking thousand. And she does a very good sort of, it's not a spit take, but it is almost like a double take, a comically exaggerated look. Um Where she looks up and sort of smiles to herself as though to say, well, you know, she's, she's here to you know, win this ring. And uh, it was just, it was great acting. It was great uh, performance. I believed it. She had fun with it. It left me wanting to drink a bottle of champagne with this lady. That's great. Uh, and I don't even know if that's the character or the woman who was acting, but either way, left a really great taste in my mouth. I know exactly who you're talking about based on that description. Which oh, is... Um, Testament to your descriptive skills and to the fact that we've watched the film 21 times. Yeah, and, and also to her performance, lest we forget. All three. All three of those things. Um, before I do my shining light, which I'll, I'll bookmark for later, um, look, something has been sent to me by my own family, my brother. Um, I got a, a big package in the mail um, a few days ago before I left town. And I thought, oh, wow, someone's someone's given me a present. What a thing. How unexpected and wonderful. My birthday isn't for ages. And I looked on the back, and it had my brother's return address. And I thought, oh, wow, John's got me something. How interesting. And I opened it up, and what he's got me is a hardcover book, uh, which is Sex in the City, the movie. And I messaged John, and I said, Wow, John, thanks. I hate it. And he said, you're welcome. I got it from the dump. <laughs> so when my brother went to drop off a whole lot of rubbish, you can go to the dump shop. Does everyone call it the dump, by the way, or is that a bit of a Kiwiism? This, uh, the refuse station where you drop off all your rubbish, your trash. I'm not I'm not sure exactly, but I think uh, you've, do, you've done a good job of co- covering it for everyone. I think it's dump. I think dump is true everywhere. Dump's a good word, isn't it? I really like it. And it is where this book belongs and where it came from. It's in reasonably good nick, although I did, um, I opened it up and it ripped away from the spine sort of thing. So that's, uh, you know. That's what'll happen if you keep your books down the dump. What's inside of it? Is it one of those sort of books where they've, uh, like, put in chronological order, taken photos, both production stills and behind-the-scenes stills from the movie and sort of put it all together and it's got, like, a vague outline of the story and a few uh, very second-hand and not really remotely interesting tidbits about the production process of the movie. You fucking pretty much nailed it, mate. 
Well, it's just pictures. It looks like it's just stills with little tidbits of information. I'll read you out the content so we know what we're dealing with. Uh, introduction by Mattress Pikelet King on page six, and then an introduction by Sarah Jessica Parker on page seven. So we know that Mattress Pikelet is um, definitely a man of few well, words there. I'd I'd like to hear his introduction, please. And I would love to read it to you. Is he introducing so the book itself or the movie? Oh, let's find out. <clears throat> After the most satisfying run of my professional career, I was approached to write and direct the Sex in the City movie. My immediate response was cautious. Interesting. Let me think about it. But that night, I couldn't sleep. As soon as someone even mentioned... Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, as soon as someone even mentioned opening that door, ideas started to pour out of me. It was as if Carrie, Miranda, Charlotte and Samantha had been there all along, waiting and ready to come back. I felt the movie should be large in scope, an experience. And in order for the audience to experience what I wanted the girls to experience, I decided the movie should span a year. Well, I guess I got my wish. Because when I printed out the first draft of the script, it was exactly 365 pages long. (laughs) It seemed that these women, or I, had a lot to say. So I took my American version <laughs> of seems, the sister Karamawas. like just you had a lot to say. No one else wrote your 365-page script. <laughs> and sequestered myself in a small hotel room in the California desert with running water but no television to see which of the scenes would emerge victorious. Part of the reason the script was so long was that I was writing for four icons, each with loyal fans who were waiting to see how their favorite girl's life had turned out. I always knew that Carrie, oh, that the Carrie wedding was the, quote, big story left untold. So I built the script around that. Would they or wouldn't they? Typical romantic comedies, building to see the girl in the gown at the end. But I thought, what if the wedding fell apart early? Then what? I didn't want a wedding to be the defining moment in Carrie's journey. It was too easy and not very Carrie. Nine bloody <laughs> rounds later, I emerged with a shooting script and a sunburn. <laughs> Left behind on the hotel room floor. I'm pretty confident oh. that you're just reading what he's written, but the language and the way he's talking about this does feel like you're taking some creative liberties. <laughs> Not at all. I haven't added a word. Um, it's just a testament to me making it real for you, I think. I'm a very gifted actor. Uh, okay, so th- this is where it gets interesting, guy. Um, I emerged with a shooting script and a sunburn. Left behind on the hotel room floor, Charlotte's braless nanny. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okie dokie. So, the second movie is just a mop-up of ideas that got cut from the first fi- That is incredible. Right, so okay. in in, in uh, script writing terms, one page is roughly one minute on screen. So, yeah. you know, I love a 90-page, 90 90-minute 90 movie. 365 pages is incredibly long. And to think First that draft. nine rounds, yeah, but, you know, you'd think he would have maybe been aiming to get it down under 200 pages. But he was not that hard on himself. I guess he was. <laughs> Why'd you get it well, down? he was initially, and then he just put them all back in for the second film. Yeah, I guess. There's more, Guy. Let me continue. Um, 
Charlotte's braless nanny, Miranda's angry post-breakup dating montage. I would have liked to have seen that. Would you like to have seen that? Absolutely. Samantha's other Hollywood client, an anorexic starlet named Ginny Lynn, whom the tabloids nicknamed <laughs> Thinny Skin- Thin. Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought it was good. Do you know Skinny Ginny would be so much better? Of course. Of course. Why didn't you let Guy edit this thing? And Carrie's rebound fling with a Ron Perlman type named Mr. Bigger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mercy. Like all relationships that don't last despite the love, these, sound, these scenes were gone. Now, impossible as it seemed, it was time to make the movie and direct these amazing actresses once more. It does seem impossible, Mattress, you're right. I was going from the desert to dessert, and in their hands, my words became heartbreak and laughter, and this fictional year in their lives became real. As Carrie says, I guess in some houses, fairy tales do come true. Mattress, she, pikelet, king. She says that. She says that in the movie. Uh, do you know that was actually quite interesting and uh, a reminder that what we are watching is real and was created not by some nefarious sort of Hollywood machine, which in part it was, you know, sent to destroy us. But it was, uh, I don't want to call it a labor of passion because I feel like, you know, money talks. But certainly a, a welcome reminder that effort has gone yeah. into this. Yeah. Um, it was man. Man with all his foibles I, hath wrought this hell. I don't know how long uh, Sarah Jessica Parker's reflection on the processes but um if you'd be open to reading that i would probably actually also be quite interested i feel so like here we are when we wrapped the show in february 4th 2004 at nearly three in the morning i never imagined that four years later we would be saying goodbye to each other all over again but first we had to say hello as you may have heard <laughs> that's a neat bit of writing isn't it as you may have heard over the last few years, this movie was alive, then dead, and then alive again. But the important thing is that in the summer of 2017, it was alive, and a go, and more real than ever. And we got to start the process all over again. I'd just like to mention, Guy, that that final sentence starts with an and, which I was told when I was a kid, you shouldn't. You should try and avoid I that. I know, but sometimes I can't help myself. I didn't write that, but I can relate to someone <laughs> who... Sounds like you did. Who did? There was an enormous amount that had to be done in far too little time. Our writer and director, Mattress Parklet King, had locked himself away for months to write what I knew would be the movie worth waiting for. As far back as spring 2006, when it still wasn't entirely clear we would be making the movie, I recall making endless lists all day long and in the middle of the night of every little and big thing that simply had to be done. Things had to be retrieved, set pieces from all over the globe, and props that may or may not have existed anymore. Never mind personally begging the Smithsonian to let us borrow borrow Carrie's desk, which to our great honour had become a permanent exhibit at the museum. Thank goodness they were lovely and so helpful, because my superstition and nostalgia... Superstition? Might not have allowed me to shoot the movie without that desk. Does Sarah Jessica Parker realise that there are whole teams of people in the crew whose job it is to do all of these things that she's taken upon herself? 
she is she's an executive producer in the latter seasons of the show and in both of the films. So this it might actually fall on her. No, this is grunt work. This is not. She doesn't need to trifle herself with begging the Smithsonian. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. I f- I she, I kind of get the sense she probably didn't personally write that letter. <laughs> I feel like that was someone else making those calls. Didn't she just um, say she personally begged the Smithsonian? She said, thank goodness they were so lovely and helpful. Before that. She didn't. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you did right. <laughs> yeah, sometimes when you're reading things aloud, you don't really absorb it. I you do know read. that. Hmm. Well, we know we well, know it all now. Um, I'll continue. And we had to try and get a commitment from all crew members. I felt we couldn't make the movie without. All the people, all the sets, all the details, getting everyone and everything back together at the right time and in the right place, the odds seemed insurmountable. But the effort was worth every dead end and missed opportunity and impossible task. This particular project, more than anything else I've worked on, takes an extraordinary meaning for me. And I think it's because of our audience. They've always inspired us and we've pushed ourselves to be the best we can be, in part because we couldn't and wouldn't do it any other way, but also because people who have invested so much time and affection deserve nothing less. All these years later, it remains an honour, a privilege, a wonderful challenge, and a fervent dream to be everything you, our audience, wants us to be. We hope we have lived up to your expectations, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for giving us this opportunity once again. Sarah Jessica Parker. Well, it's heartfelt, and, uh, you know, if I was at the helm of a $100 million franchise, I would also be incredibly grateful to those who have helped me get there. Uh, I feel like Mattress's reflections and ruminations, I guess, you know, it sounds like he was uh, the core creative team, whereas SJP took on a lot more administrative sort of... um, work like cataloging props that they needed back i'm and happy to hear that she crew sounds members. like she's pulling her weight but uh i don't know i i mean are you gonna keep the book it's a good question um no i don't think so i don't think it sparks a joy in me so i don't think i should hold on to it yeah it's uh it's fair i think I don't know. I actually quite liked hearing Mattress Pikelet. I tried to find him on Twitter just earlier uh, to no avail. I have found uh, Chris Noth. Um, the Reverend. The Reverend himself. I found his... I've, I've been digging around about him a little bit lately, actually. I found him on Instagram. Uh, What's his pretty active particular style? On Instagram? Yeah, on both. Uh on Instagram, he's like pretty wholesome family man. He has a, a young son called uh, Orion, and uh, he he takes great pride in uh, Orion's growing up and becoming a, a wonderful young boy. He obviously loves his wife very much. He's proud of his work. He appears to be working on a show called Gone. Um, he's a graduate from the Yale Drama Department. The second ever post he did on Instagram was a low-resolution shot downloaded from Getty Images, uh, and it's a picture mm-hmm. of him and John Corbett, who is the actor who plays Aiden, which I found to be mm-hmm. of uh, mild interest. <laughs> but um, 
all in all, you know, like he there's not a lot of I tweeted at him. I've tweeted at him asking about what he thinks of the theory that Mr. Big is illiterate. Um uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, did you? Yeah. I didn't know that. I haven't heard back. Uh, How much time have you given it? Oh, you know, the better part of a day. Dang it. Reverend. Yeah. Online. Give but, us an answer here, mate. Um, He, yeah, like there's, it, I don't know if it's his PR company or whatever, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of information about his uh, interests and what he describes as philanthropy beyond the acting world, you know, about... Uh, the eccentric behavior He's, he was actually one thing he did do is he was very dismissive of the idea that he would have died in sex in the city three truly did he post something absolutely uh what did he say he just said he got interviewed uh not long after those rumors circulated by the sun which is a, a british newspaper it's and, a tabloid uh, isn't it the sun yeah, it's a he, ba- it's a bad rag he said that there's no way he was, in reference to Mr. Big, there's no way he was dying. That was all a lie. Didn't that come from a fairly official source? Well. Uh, HP. It, ca- <laughs> it came from... It's a little source joke guy because it's a homonym. Yeah, no, you've done great work. Uh, it, it came from... Because if, if you remember the, the genesis of the rumor, it sort of came from Kim Cattrall's camp. And she would not be happy to to be in a film which uh, focused so heavily on, you know, the death of Mr. Big and then Carrie's fallout because it wouldn't give Samantha's, you know, Samantha enough space to have fun in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so so it was a planted story. It wasn't real. This was this was uh, tomfoolery by Kim Cattrall. Well, it's impossible to say, but I mean. All that to say, I don't know. I I think uh, I became convinced even further that Mr. Big is illiterate in this movie. And uh, I posit to you, Tim, that because you'll remember uh, we've spoken before about the jilting, not having any real grounds or there's there's no actual reason beyond not seeing Carrie's face behind behind the veil for why he wouldn't have walked down the aisle. Seems to come out of nowhere. Yeah. Very flimsy storytelling. Um, he calls Carrie the the night before the wedding, right? Sure. And he mm. says, "Is this something we really want to do?" Now, week in yeah. week out, we've interpreted that to be in reference to getting married. Mm. I think that that is in reference to writing and reading their own vows at the wedding. Oh, I see. He never explicitly says the thing that they might not want to do is about getting married. He jilts her not because of not seeing her, but because of the humiliation that would come with publicly acknowledging at a, a high-end wedding. He's illiterate. He goes this on. This makes perfect sense and that, because this is why he's so sensitive to the number of guests coming. That's right. Uh, he goes on in that same conversation. He says, everything's great as it is. I don't want to screw mm-hmm. it up. And she says, yeah. you won't screw it up. He says, I screwed it up twice before. Oof. He's ne- he never specifically says he's talking about marriage. Just as conceivably, he'd be talking about trying to put pen on paper. Do you know the other really painful thing that this uh, makes apparent in, in light of this revelation is just how hurtful it must have been for him to hear the advice from Carrie when she says, can I give you a little advice? 
as a writer and then continues to give him some advice about writer's block. Not something he's suffering from. His particular reflection, illiteracy. And I don't think a writer is going to be able to be very sympathetic to the plight of that um, that well, particular I mean, disability. God knows how much work and energy. The reason he's so haggard and rough around the edges the whole movie is because of how much t- trouble he's had to go to to, to hide this fact from Carrie. Yeah. When he's, she talks about upping the ante. She's talking about the... the you know, the blowing out of the invitation list and he's pretending to read an email on his computer and he says, I have to write an email. It's like the most uh, public confession. It's the most courage he's ever managed to build up to sort of, you know, allude to or at least begin alluding to his illiteracy. But Carrie changes the conversation again. We do need to dig into the fact that he appears to read that email, though, Guy, because we see some words on screen of it, and it seems to match up roughly with what he's talking about. It does appear, in fact, Almost, to be an email from the contractor. not quite. Mm. He says, I need... He, 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 like, you can see he can see shapes through practice behavior. He can follow an inbox and make it look like he's getting through the emails, but we've never uh-huh. seen an email he's responded to he sends out, apparently, huge amounts of emails, which are just copy and pasted love stories from the internet. Does that require literacy? I don't know. No. I don't think it necessarily does. I think that makes it all the sweeter that it's a labor of love where he's basically matching up symbols one at a time <laughs> from a page on pressing buttons on a keyboard. But... It does feel like he sort of has the gist of that email we see from the contractor who's pushed the move-in date. So I don't know. I don't know. A little loose end. We need to tidy up at some point. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. But I can't even be bothered talking about that because I just, I want to, 
I want to get to know the Reverend Chris Noeth. You know, that's the man, the man behind the big is who I want to get to know. What do you want to know about him? I want to know about this religious sect that he's formed in the hills. Because where is he again? I've forgotten what bit of America he practices his faith. Uh... You and me both. I, I I couldn't tell you. I remember that for a while he really had a head full of steam and was uh, charging around. It feels like the Midwest sort of preaching to anyone who would listen. Yeah. Yeah, he's basically a messiah. He's just rolling around, spinning yarns, trying to derive some meaning out of the TV show that he was in, the Reverend Chris Noeth. That'd be interesting, actually, telling parables from the Sex and the City TV show as if they're religious instruction. So just repurposing storylines from that show. Um, maybe that's how the Bible got written originally. Well, I don't know. There is a certain neatness as well. Uh, and I'm guilty of doing this uh, whenever and wherever possible because I truly believe it to be the case that there is no clear line to be drawn between the real world and the cinematic worlds that actors are, you know, exist in. So if Mr. Big is illiterate, so too is Chris Noeth. And uh, the reason there might not be a lot of writing or scripture around the parables he preaches is because uh, he can't write it down. Is he good with words? Yes. Is he a charismatic speaker? Absolutely. I mean... You don't need to know how to read or write to build a following. You just need to know how to command an audience. Charles Manson was famously illiterate as a youth. I didn't know that. They're right. Yeah. He, he didn't have too much trouble building a, a, a group of followers or family, as he called them, taking up uh, residence on a, a ranch on the outskirts of Los Angeles, Svan Ranch. I don't think you've been getting into your Marilyn, your, your Manson stuff. I don't Manson. think Chris Noeth <laughs> has the same intentions for his group. I think his or his acolytes. I think that uh, his his intentions are slightly more pure. But I'm saying, you know, it's not without precedent for an uh, illiterate Hollywood wannabe star to yeah, not at all to take the. In fact, I. I think they're not just coincidental, but they're actually related. It's kind of like if you, they say that if you take away one of your senses, the other senses get heightened. Mm. It's sort of like that, wherein if you lose the reading and write, or you, you never gain the ability to read and write, and you can't communicate with people on that level, you get a hyper-developed sense of charisma and being able to convince people and sort of, you know, read their little micro-expressions and respond to them very quickly to give them what they need to get them to do what you want. It's mm. like a like a little magic spell that he's casting over his peeps. Wow. But what do you think his goal is? Because um, I know a lot of religious sects are about doomsday prophecies and trying to protect the followers. Do you think it's that sort of a thing? Or, or do you think wow. it's a more sustainable, long-running kind of a religion where he's here for the long haul, trying to make heaven on earth? Uh, I think there is probably more legs on the doomsday sort of prophecy angle, if yeah. only because um, if we continue to blur the lines of what Chris Noeth knows of the world, 
uh, and the Sex and the City universe, you know, as told, yeah. as evidenced by uh, exhaustive research on Sex and the City too, there's, uh, and, you know, the bulk of his religious uh, work coming, you know, between and then largely after the release of that movie, he's got uh, troves of information about, you know, two different but very serious threats to the world in the forms of Brady and Dickbot. Um, yes, boy. Like so this that. is about this is this is about the um him spreading the good word. Has he picked a side, do you think? Or is he simply here to warn us all that this battle is going to basically think, darken yeah, our I skies? There's no yeah, there's no good or bad side. I think it's just uh a warning. A man trying to tell anyone who will listen to watch out and be careful. I think that's really important. And I think that if I were to become a religious leader, it would be around a similar sort of idea. I've heard fundamentalist Christianity being described to me in the past as if you saw someone who was standing on the road and you saw a truck headed for them, you would do everything in your power to try and get them out of the way. You would yell at them. If they didn't respond, you would try and forcibly move them. And that is the feeling that these religious folks have, is that they are so confident in the harm that is impending and the danger that their, uh, you know, co-humans' souls are in, that they will do anything to try and help you because they have the truth. They see the truck, even when this you don't. true of Jehovah's Witnesses, right? The... Uh the Church of Latter-day Saints, the reason that they're so uh, vocal and diligent in their spreading of the Word of God is because, I mean, they've been proven wrong a few times before, but, you know, Lord knows that's not going to stop them telling you anyway. Uh, The apocalypse is nigh. And if you don't repent and convert, you will spend eternity, I think, either on... I think there's actually tears. I think you're either you're saved or possibly you spend an eternity in hell if you're specifically bad or if you're kind of neutral. You just remain right. on earth amongst the ruins of what was. After the rapture. Yeah. I see. This also reminds me a lot of the greatest modern day religion, uh, which is, uh, and I'm doing air quotes that you can't see, climate science whereby we're being told that we're all in danger of the sea levels rising and the uh, air that we breathe becoming unfit for humans. <laughs> I'm sure. And the yeah. temperature getting out of an inhabitable range. Okay, mates. I'm sure that's happening on the whole planet. Yeah. Why? Because we we bloody bought a couple of plastic shopping bags? I think not. If climate Park your fever at the door. If climate change is real then how come mm. I'm still wearing the same clothes I was a year ago? Yeah. This is just Big Tree trying to interfere with the very fine, very sustainable coal industry. Everyone knows in their heart coal's good. Coal's good. It's fun to say. It's fun to mine, you know? Coal's good. What? It's a... Uh, yeah, I mean... Is coal as popular as it was? Is coal a never-ending resource? We're not going to run out coal, of coal, coal are is, we? Coal's forever. Everybody knows that. I like that. Coal. If we were, if we were going to run out of coal, why haven't we run out so far? Checkmate, atheists. Uh, look, 
I'm not here to argue with you, Tim. I actually would also be interested to know if Chris Noth is sort of using the following he's built up and the awareness of uh, Brady and Dickbot and sort of uh, in the interest of staying in the public eye and capitalizing on current global trends. I'm not talking about the actual climate changing, but I'm talking about you know this undying enthusiasm from these fucking tree-hugging liberals uh, to say that it is happening. You know, if he doesn't leverage his following into being quite uh, vocal and outspoken people saying, hey, the climate's not changing. Yeah, man, I think you're right. I think it's an important part of the Church of Chris Noeth. What do we know to be true? There is an impending battle for the fate of the planet between an artificial intelligence that half the time just wants to have sex with Samantha Jones and the other half of the time just wants to fight King Brady, the Rat King, for global dominance. Moreover, That's going to kick off. He's and also, the other thing the other thing we know to be true, Cole's good. He's infiltrated uh, his first Instagram post. Someone described him, which he's featured with the actor who plays Aiden, is actually yeah. from a benefit for uh, the Rainforest Action Network, which is, you know, uh, a collective who are looking to preserve forests, protect climate and uphold human rights challenging corporate power and systemic injustice what better way than to cut one of these operations down at the knees than to infiltrate it on the ground floor by saying you believe everything they're saying and in the interim while you're doing your plotting and planning while you're infiltrating the group a way to throw them off the scent Absolutely. Don't and we know that these people are gullible. They believe in climate change in the first instance. Now, uh, it's snowing summer on Earth right now. Hello. Yeah. If it's so hot, then how come it's negative five degrees outside? Think about that. Exactly. Think Tim, about that. Uh, hopefully we covered some of the ground that you were you were hoping to there. I mean, there's more questions than answers on my end, but um, I would love to... Direct the conversation back to Sex in the City and ask you sure. if you do have a shining light. Yeah, this this watch, it's Charlotte's dress during the sequence where they're trying to tidy Carrie Bradshaw's apartment away and it takes four friends three days to pick up 20 years into 38 boxes, if I remember the line correctly. I am really making a fist of trying to, trying to memorize as much of the script as I can now, Guy, just so you know. But the Marilyn Monroe dress that she wears, which is done in the style of Andy Warhol, where it's sort of a tessellated image of Marilyn's face done over again with different yeah. basic colours. I quite like that dress. So that was my shining light. I have a low light that I'd also like to um, well, mention. Before you do, I'd just like to say, uh, interestingly, in some of my research, I found out that Patricia Field, who did the costume designs for the series and also the movie, mm. uh, she modeled charlotte's uh fashion in this film because i think charlotte probably has the best fashion of the four gals throughout the film uh after Huge jackie call. jackie kennedy ah i can see that oh jackie O, eh? i think in particular the polka dot dress in which her water breaks when she's furious with big has shades of jackie O all over it there's no pink chanel though that i've seen in this film that's true um now, the low light is when we get our first on-screen glimpse of Mr. Big, which must have been 
pretty delightful to be in the cinema if you're a big Sex in the City fan. It's like, hey, Big's back, baby. Here he is. And no sooner have we seen him than he launches into his first stomach-churning nose kiss, and it is the biggest one of the three times he does it in the film. He basically envelops Sarah Jessica Parker's entire nose with his lips, and this time, when I was riding in a car for seven hours, coming back from my wife's hometown, visiting her family, back to our home of Auckland, uh, I almost wanted to spew in the car. It was so gross to me. Just fucking putting you, someone's nose in your mouth. Did Ugh. you pause it and canvas the car for responses to how they feel about the nose kiss? No, I thought it was too early to do that because that moment happens like three and a half minutes into the movie. I know, and I was but like, it, this is, film- it is an ongoing point of contention between us on just how rank it is. I mean, I've defended it before. Can- I've watched it some weeks where I have been disgusted. I think the way that he envelops the entire base of the nose is inappropriate. An affectionate <laughs> peck as though you're kissing a relative's cheek on the nose, even if it's your lover. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. But when you're sort of fumbling around open mouth as though it's the same way he reads emails, you know, he doesn't yeah. know the particulars of what he's meant to do, but he can approximate how a kiss works, how affection fumbling works. In the dark. He can approximate how reading looks so he can look like he's reading an email if you see him in your periphery, which is how Carrie observes him reading his emails. Yeah. Uh, the responding of guy, yeah. I wa- I I I always want to hear what you have to say, but I want to do our two segments and also get done reasonably quickly. I think I think we've prattled on for a little bit. Yeah. Can I throw the reins at you for our famous segment that you and I love? Sorry to bother you. Uh absolutely. So. Uh, Steve obviously arrives, he gets out of the car, he says, I don't want to bother you guys. They say, you're not bothering us. And Steve pulls down his trousers, he pulls down oh. his underpants, he says, does oh. this look normal to you? And <laughs> what he presents is, honestly, one of the healthiest penises you will ever see. Really? And, uh, yeah. But the the reason that Steve is so paranoid is uh, he has accidentally... He is rooming to save money with someone who's setting up a small marijuana dispensary in their apartment in Brooklyn and Uh uh, is experimenting with different strengths of cannabinoid oils or cannabis oils. And so Steve took what he thought would be roughly 50 grams of cannabis oil but has wound up ingesting roughly 600 grams of cannabis oil. The man is paranoid and spiraling out of control. God knows how he managed to grab a cab and navigate his way to that nightclub or restaurant. But uh, pretty much what you are witnessing in that moment is the culmination of his paranoid fantasies. And it does not matter how frequently he's reassured by the party guests that his penis is actually in tip-top condition. Uh, He just stands there with his cock out until he's taken away by the appropriate authorities. I can't help but realise that you've recently moved to New York City and suggest that this sounds slightly too detailed to not be autobiographical. It's not remotely autobiographical, but uh, it is inspired by experiences I have either overheard or come across in New York City. Very cool. And our uh, final segment, Pop Quiz, bitch. Oh, it's What is the name? (laughs) You fucker. What is the name of the... 
woman whose benefit auction we're all attending at the start of the film where uh, Samantha Jones gets her flower ring. Uh, oh, I know that she's a waitress turned model turned billionaire's girlfriend, uh, but I could not tell you her name. I actually didn't write it down, so oh, you... I was kind of hoping you knew. Nah, I don't. Um, I don't know. I mean, also we don't see her, so she probably remains uncredited. So it would have to be a week-to-week observation. Look, um, just before we go, someone reached out to me. I don't know how they know this, but they said they know who Coffee Guy is. Yeah, I saw that. Crazy thing to be introducing at the end of this episode, Guy. Well, uh, it turns out that what they've presented was a dead end. The last correspondence I had with them said, it appears as though this movie doesn't have the secret agent coffee guy. Uh, Um, uh, Are you standing fast to your theory that it was the guy that I sort of dismissed out of hand? Absolutely. I thought that someone might have brought forward evidence that could disprove that theory and suggest that he's in another place, but... Uh, our only lead so far has yep. uh, fallen through, and so I remain okay. correct. I think the burden of proof probably still is a little bit on my shoulders, but uh, you know, until you show me someone else who it could be, I'm not budging. Yeah. All right. Fair enough to you as well. Don't bring me problems. Bring me solutions. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I would like to just give a quick shout out to this episode's sponsor, which is the Church of Latter-day Noah, protecting us all from the destruction and fallout of the last battle. God bless. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. He sort of feels me out, I feel him out, and uh, we go for it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.